This is Kevin Conroy, and you're listening to The Drift Space. I mean, I, no, I, you know, take an inch and give you a yard, mile, meter. Why are we going metric? Why are we <laughs> Can we, is there metric time? We're track runners. Why don't we, <laughs> why would we not go metric? Um, <laughs> 17 kiloseconds. I said track, guys. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the Drift Space, where we stay strapped with that contraption they find on that one guy in the movie Seven. I'm G, and I'm with three <laughs> blind-sided mice now. <laughs> Dave, pick pick your jaw off the floor and uh, introduce yourself, honey. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm a piece. <laughs> you sure are, buddy. You sure are. You are a beautiful piece, Jr. And I'm just the bystander. I'm also Rebecca. She's the one that paints the piece. Oh. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I don't want Rebecca, Rebecca's pretty. paintbrush anywhere near me. My therapist is going to be a rich woman. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I don't even know where we're going with this anymore. All right, all right. So, on, geez, we'll just go ahead and dive right in. On today's episode, we are covering the fourth entry in the MonsterVerse and a rematch about sixty years in the making in Godzilla versus Kong. Dr. Nathan Lin is asked by the CEO of a mysterious company, Apex, to journey into the center of the Earth for Godzilla's energy source, an energy source that could be used to stop Godzilla's most recent attacks. They enlist Kong to find this energy source, which puts him in the crosshairs of Godzilla, inevitably leading to the Battle of the Kings. Now, normally when, when we do these episodes... I'm I'm always more interested in hearing from the person kind of furthest away from the franchise that we're covering, uh, which in this case would be Dave. But Hi. Rebecca. <laughs> Hi. Hi there. <laughs> Rebecca actually requested before the show if she could go first, which is interesting because normally she just puts her sunglasses on while walking away from a burning city. But yeah, boo, why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and. And start with you. You seem to have some interest. You, you, you wanted to uh, jump in here first, so go ahead. Well, first of all, I just want to point out that the rumors were true. When you dig a hole deep enough into the earth, you do end up in China. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. No. <laughs> That's oh, wait. Much I, what you, you have to start from the center of the earth and then dig down to China. No, or it's dig, backwards. It's backwards. Up. It's backwards. This time it went from China to the center of the earth. earth yeah yeah but either <laughs> way the first just... hole no the first hole is already there godzilla just dug down okay whatever <laughs> no 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 let's let's keep talking <laughs> <laughs> let's there argue some, about this please there's some geological implications here <laughs> oh there are and geographical <laughs> implications here <laughs> No wonder Rebecca wanted to go first. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
like, how can I trigger everyone? With this rich content, I mean, how could we not? <laughs> you know, so frequently on the drift space, like the bar's on the ground and we somehow bring a shovel. Or an atomic ray. Or an atomic uh, ray. <laughs> so we raise the bar by digging under the bar. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Wait, good. Where are we starting? <laughs> Antarctica or Hong Kong? <laughs> or are we already at certain? Okay, go on, Rebecca. Oh, I'm sorry, what were we talking about again? <laughs> I, I don't know. You want to go first? I'm not... okay, this was your right. idea. Okay, so I just recently saw this movie in theaters and a day ago so i i don't have that much to gather a lot of notes or thoughts but here goes i was on the edge of my seat for this one and i loved how grown up millie bobby brown and her character were i adored the little girl who bonded with kong gia i believe is her name it turns out that the little actress is deaf in real life so that child alone deserves at least 12 academy awards and more (laughs) (laughs) it's her first role too Ah, oh, she was so good. She was so cute. I loved her. She was my favorite. <laughs> She's not a Pokemon, Rebecca. She's a person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now there were certain things about the film I wished were explored a little more, like uh, Sarazawa's son, Rin. I would have loved to hear more about his relationship between him and his father and his hatred for Godzilla, Walter Simmons. Apex CEO and his daughter, Maya. I kind of wish the daughter had turned in a new leaf and escaping her daddy issues, but I guess we have enough female, lo- female, excuse me, let me try that again. But I guess we have enough female lead roles in the movie and Kong clearly made a, an executive decision by r- removing her. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough out of you. <laughs> Pretty much. People are wondering if the human interaction was too much or too little. Honestly, I'll answer that question at the end of the podcast. I I personally think that this was a movie about two characters trying to find their own identities in in the world. And the characters just happen to be giant kaiju monsters. The humans are, I think, are just the borders and frames of the bigger picture. Kong, with the guidance of Jita, is searching for his home and true identity, Godzilla, with the help of Madison and her friends, are trying to keep his own identity and place as the king of the monsters. It's not so much a matter of who the alpha male is, but trying to find balance within the world and within themselves, which is a very human trait in these monsters. Kong learns to sign and communicate in an early language, in an earthly, earthly language, sorry, typo there. That, that can be understood. Godzilla sends a familiar pulse in the Earth, hence Apex using Ghidorah's DNA to create Mechagodzilla, and mistakenly thought it was King Kong. And Kong, not knowing who Godzilla was, thought it was just another monster or predator that's threatening his home. I find it fascinating how human these monsters were when it came to fighting each other to the death to searching for something that's amiss, to fighting to the death again, to teaming up and working together to defeat a common foe, and to finally accept each other as equals and showing them, sh- showing some forms of gratitude toward one another. I think it was their form of peace treaty, agreeing that Godzilla is king of the monsters of, on Earth, while Kong is king of Hollow Earth. Or it could have been like a Goku and Vegeta relationship that the next time they see each other, one will win and one will lose. 
I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I certainly did get a Pacific Rim vibe when Godzilla and Kong were fighting, and, and the place was lit up with all varieties of colored lights, and the fact that there was a portal to the ascent of the Earth, like Pacific Rim, I mean, there you go. N- not only that, but but the rain and water effects were so gorgeously portrayed, especially the part where Kong coughs up water after his first fight with Godzilla, which clearly Godzilla had the home field advantage there, which also leads to me liking how each environment and surroundings matching to both monsters' advantages and disadvantages in fighting. Godzilla could swim and breathe underwater, and his atomic breath burns Kong. Well, pretty much burns everybody. And uh, Kong can jump and dodge Godzilla's breath using... The skyscrapers of Hong Kong, even tricking Godzilla into throwing something to distract him and then jumping on his back and trying to break his jaw. That was pretty cool. <laughs> By the way, I I also wasn't aware that Kong was Asgardian, and I love how he, how, how he actually tried to shove the end of the handle of his axe in Godzilla's mouth like his 1962 counterpart did, but with a tree. That made me really happy. <laughs> Well, thank you for the shortest episode of the Drift Space we've had. I've been JR. <laughs> she did kind of pile it all in there, didn't she? Dave, what, what were some of your thoughts? You're going to make me go? Yeah, I'm going to make you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not remember, following that up. Remember, Rebecca didn't have any thoughts on the movie, so. Right. Uh, she's, yeah, yeah, I didn't have too many thoughts on the movie. I just uh, just want to go first real quick and <laughs> wrap this up. <laughs> Didn't really take notes. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I'm just oh, going to You guys have more thoughts and notes than I do. Come on. Let's be honest. We'll see. Let's see. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. Dave, Pre- Dave's sweating bullets right now. Prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> the title of my autobiography. <laughs> Followed by I am disappointed. Disappointed. <laughs> 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 So as as GJ alluded to here, as someone who has more of a passing fancy into the Godzilla Kaiju franchise, I do not understand a lot of this. But I will what I will say is that it, when I think about the films that we've been getting recently, I think specifically of King of the Monsters, Kong Skull Island, and of course Godzilla versus Kong here. I found that it was a lot easier to get invested in this film than it was King of the Monsters, which I did love. I did love King of the Monsters. I think that was a lot of fun. And but to that end, I would say that it's Godzilla versus Kong is a much more accessible flick for the casual viewer like myself. And I think that's due in no small part to Kong and his his innate humanity, which I think Rebecca was touching on a bit Mm -hmm. in her her monologue. (laughs) shall I say, which I, I don't think I don't think this film hides as what I'd consider to be one of its central elements here. That's how that's why I feel like it was a really easy to get invested and in, into this film. And Rebecca, you talked about if there was too much of the human aspect in this. And I would I would say, no, not really for me, at least, because Kong is part of that human aspect. He's a very human in Godzilla versus Kong. And we do see elements of some, I guess, weird type of humanity from Godzilla himself, I guess. I didn't really think about that myself. I see more of it from Kong, but again, casual viewer here. So I I really liked that. 
I liked having the opportunity to actually invest more into the monster itself as opposed to a a character. I, I did love Millie Bobby Brown and the supporting cast are, are, are around this film, but I loved Kong in this. It really made me wanted to want to go back and revisit Kong Skull Island because I saw Godzilla versus Kong. Now, I will say that, you know, you talked a little bit about the fights, Rebecca, and I was super impressed with the choreography in films, in, in the films that I've seen featuring these giant monsters. It's easy for me to get lost. And I think Pacific Rim does a, did a really good job with this in terms of making sure that you don't get lost in these huge fights between Titans this isn't a film where Godzilla moves slow either. Godzilla moves fast. Kong moves fast. I was able to actually follow along and keep up with what was going on in the fight without getting dizzy. And thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Again, something else that I think the casual viewer like myself would appreciate. Just uh, some other quick things here. I did feel like Junkie XL's score was inferior to bears in King of the Monsters. I just didn't find myself having as much of an emotional reaction to it. It didn't really resonate with me as much. I'm not going to say that it didn't fit because I think it worked in the scope of the movie. It just didn't have that same, for lack of a better word, umph to it that bear score really did. And my last thing I kind of wanted to, it's not really so much of a question. It's just more of a why would they do this? But uh, so from a Godzilla standpoint, what I will say about this franchise is large is that it seems like they really end gamed way too early. You know, in King of the Monsters, they threw in Rodan, Ghidorah, Mothra. And in this one, we got Mechagodzilla. You know, these are titans in the franchise. They even I know as someone who has a passing fancy. I know that there are a lot of monsters in the Godzilla universe um, but they threw all of these huge ones in the first two flicks. Mm -hmm. And then we go Rodan dead, Mothra dead, Ghidorah dead, unless you count the drifting with Ghidorah, but still <laughs> dead. <laughs> Mechagodzilla dead, kind of. I guess you can kill a robot, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I feel like it was like that post credit season in Frozen 2 with Olaf where, where he was like okay. Elsa. Elsa dead, Olaf dead, and Anna cries. Except in this case, it's Honda cries. I guess. <laughs> all that all that to say is it 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 feels like they really crammed a lot of these titans within a titan universe. You know, it feels like they could have spread them out a little bit more. And I think that's kind of an issue I have with this franchise right now. If that makes sense, I think my comment is more geared towards GJ. <laughs> That's fine. And I, I think that amongst other comments you make open up a lot of discussions. Uh, let's see. Let's see what JR has to say in regards to all this as well. I'm curious what his thoughts are, because you've you've brought up a lot of interesting things. And I think we can kind of dive into this once we get some of his thoughts. I mean, what else can I really say about the movie? I mean, I've seen this movie probably three or four times already, and I just enjoy it more. Uh, the The more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. I do have a little few nitpicky things here and there. Like, where was Monarch? How did they build this thing so quickly to capture Kong if they didn't even know Godzilla was hunting Kong? Blah, blah, blah. Those are the things that just kind of bugged me. 
the containment facility. Yeah, the, the containment. Okay. It, like we only had. I mean, I don't think we needed another Kong movie, but it, it led up to okay, like the like Dave was saying, post credit scene where these two have fought before, and the next movie is going to be an all out brawl. And then as soon as we see Kong, we're like, oh, he's in a containment field. How? Why? How did you know Godzilla was chasing him? How fast did you build this thing knowing Godzilla was chasing him? I mean, other than those, I really enjoyed the movie. And I thought it was well worth the three times IMAX movie payment that I spent. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, yeah, I've, I've seen this about four times as well, JR. Once in IMAX, twice in regular theaters, and once on HBO Max. My least favorite sitting was on HBO Max. I totally agree because this is a movie that is meant to see be seen on the biggest screen possible. Mm-hmm. Like if I could have gone to Aubrey Mills and watched it on that screen, I would have. Yeah, it's it's an event film uh, about scope. You know, I, I after seeing it in theaters, I went and watched it on HBO Max and I kind of sort of tuned it out, which doesn't bode well for repeat viewings on at home for me. But uh uh, then I went to see an IMAX, and it kind of the magic sort of came back. Which I'm glad. I'm glad I was given the opportunity to see this in theaters. It kind of reminds me of how I want to give every film I see a fair shake, and I feel like seeing a movie in theaters uh, gives a movie the opportunity to immerse me within itself. We'll go back to say. Wonder Woman 1984. I mean, most of you know I was not too thrilled with that movie, but I went to see it in theaters because I wanted to give it the opportunity to to almost like trick me, if you will. You know, when you see a movie in in theaters for the first time, you have this, you know, you got the sound system around you, you have the big screen and, uh, you know, not least of which you paid money for it. And so you you kind of allow it to draw you in and no matter the quality of the film it has the opportunity to sort of put you in that honeymoon phase of of enjoying it for a while you know and then it's almost like you can't think clearly (laughs) about it uh after seeing it in theaters and um that was definitely an interesting experiment when i watched it in theaters for godzilla vs kong in theaters for the first time and then went back and and watched it on tv not too long after the fact i was nearly as as into it and honestly kind of bored backing up a little bit to dave you you were talking about how you didn't like how they had sort of blew their wad kind of early <laughs> i called it in gaming yeah, yeah. <laughs> with all the monsters and stuff like that and my my main thing about that is i just don't think there's enough of an audience here to care uh, about all these monsters. Like, yeah, all the fans really dug King of the Monsters for Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Uh, Rodan's still alive, by the way. Uh, but, I mean, to... <laughs> <laughs> to general audiences, I mean, it was basically no different than the 2014 movie where there were these kind of new made-up monsters. They weren't Toho creatures. Uh, they might as well have just been Namuto from 2014. Oh, Godzilla's just fighting more monsters this time well okay 
whatever. We don't know what a Rodan is or a King Ghidorah. They probably know what Mothra is because that's sort of been ingrained in pop culture, I guess. But I, I just don't think these monsters are popular enough here in America for it to put much of a, a, a hype dent into the the general audiences. Uh, now, Kong, everyone knows who Kong is, right? The marquee value of Godzilla versus Kong is right there in front of us. That's easy enough to sell. Uh, Mechagodzilla isn't in the title. It's just kind of a little surprise for, you know, the fans at the end. But it's not a big, you know, it's not a selling point, clearly. So I'm okay with this being sort of the end game, if it is. I don't think it is because the movie, you know, has pretty much saved theaters. But I, I think I'm okay with it for other reasons, not least of which that they, you know, all the big guns have been used. So if they were going to do it, they might as well have like dumped it all in because there was no guarantee there were going to be more of these movies. And so that's fine. Go for it. I, I'm I'm certainly okay with the MonsterVerse as it is ending and honestly Toho taking the reins. And that's another discussion we'll get into a little bit later. But <laughs> okay. I also agree that I, I was not a fan of Junkie XL's Tom yeah. Holmes score. I, I think I think the whole fandom would agree with you on that one. From oh, what cool. I've been told I was I did not like his uh, discount if Kabea Godzilla theme at all. I, I found it uh, boring. You know, I mean, you know, he, he's I don't really like a lot of Tom Holkenborg's material anyway. I didn't like his his uh, material in Justice League. You know, the, the stuff I did like in Justice League were Hans Zimmer's themes. <laughs> he was just using them. And uh, I, I felt that his score here was easily easily one of the worst in the entire franchise i was not a fan at all of this uh, score honestly i thought it was just overlooked like backseat to the action because i tried listening to it and i was just like you know all i'm hearing is godzilla and kong roaring at each other so i don't care if there's music (laughs) i mean okay in that case (laughs) what when I did listen to that, I, I got a sort of a Blade Runner vibe to it, especially that scene where Kong floats from one end of the Hollow Earth to the other. That long synthesizer note, uh, that thing. Yeah, there. I I said the same thing about the score. I, I did like moments in the Hollow Earth where it kind of felt surreal, which the Hollow Earth scene was surreal anyway. I mean, you have a giant <laughs> gorilla I mean- floating in between mountains. <laughs> I'm I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, the song sounded surreal and relaxing, but I don't think it quite fit in with this particular movie. That's my opinion. Hmm. Okay. All right. Dave, you seem to have thoughts on the Hollow Earth uh, sequence. (laughs) I. Where does the light come from? Earth's core? I don't know. <laughs> here's here's my problem with the Hollow Earth sequence. Okay, it, it was established. Wouldn't the core be below them or above? Them? I have or if, if they no went, idea. if they truly went to the center of the Earth, <laughs> they would be at the core. They would be burning up. Oh, I agree. I agree. And yet, it seems like the light is coming from closer to the crust. So. What in our <laughs> crust is spotlighting Middle Earth here? <laughs> I won't have to reread Journey to the Center of the Earth by H.G. Wells. I, I have read that. 
and I completely forgot the answer to all these questions. But I, <laughs> maybe the I'm just sad we didn't find it. Brendan Fraser down there. Um, Brendan Fraser can go down there. Yeah, he, yeah, can yeah. <laughs> he can handle it. He's yeah, in his current body, yeah, he probably could. Yeah, I'm. I'm just okay. So they establish in the 2014 movie that the monsters have stayed closer to the Earth's core for radiation, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then it was established in King of the Monsters that Godzilla was far enough in this kind of like under the sea kingdom, um, <laughs> where he was he was he was he was recuperating from uh, the heat, the radioactive heat, right? That uh, fatally um, poisoned Sarazawa before he blew up the bomb, right? So he's cl- they were close enough to the core, I guess, there to for for Godzilla to re-energize himself, right? Sure. Okay. So they go to the center of the earth, right? Where all these monsters apparently stay for the radioactivity, for the heat and whatnot. Why, why, why are all the people okay? <laughs> well, that girl's just like wearing like a, a little... They brought a child! Uh, oh, no. <laughs> We're talking... Giant monkey and giant lizard fight each other. Why are we fighting about the logic here? Well, okay, yeah, and 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 that's fine. I I I love I love the over the topness to it. I, I there and there were some crazy shots in it too. I like the the entrance into the Hollow Earth where they went two thousand one a space odyssey. Um, I I liked this really surrealness of just the image of a giant what hundred meter tall gorilla floating in between mountains with like blue rocks from the dark crystal franchise or something. And, and, and there, there, there is a surrealness to that. that I think they kind did that in Beast Wars. They, yeah, there was, there's some, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then he, you know, finds a throne room where he picks up an ax and sits on it and stuff. And, and, and that, that's fascinating to me because, I like the fact that they don't talk about who built all this. Where did it all come from? I just assumed that Kong's ancestors learned how to sculpt themselves. Because I love the giant Kong statue in there. I'm like, wow, monkeys are really smart. (laughs) This is the movie that really did that for you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't Planet of the Apes. It was the- <laughs> Have you ever watched Discovery Channel? You guys are arguing about core facts right here. I just want to <laughs> bring in my stupid two cents. I things like this kind of I, I feel sort of almost fearful when I see stuff like this. I'm like, who built this? Why is this here? Why is why is it so anthropomorphic? What 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 could have what civilization made this a thing? And the not knowing is what makes that so interesting to me, so exciting to me. It's a snapshot of the Kong culture yeah. that you don't know how it got there from from an anthropologic standpoint. Like that's that's fascinating. Like, it's fascinating, yeah. and it's, it it adds that surrealness. You know, he pulls an axe out of a Godzilla skull to kind of insinuate, okay, something went down here. You know, it, it's almost like there's ghosts in the throne room. It gave me Alien versus Predator vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That pyramid. It just gave me some Alien vibes, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you. I'll. I'll meet you 
halfway. It gave me it gave me some alien vibes in general. And then of course Godzilla has to show complete disrespect by drilling a hole through the planet and blowing up his throne <laughs> his chair. <laughs> um, you know, looking down the hole, hey, get up here. Get over get here. Over you know, here. It was just <laughs> And so I, I did enjoy that aspect, the visual aspect to it. I think Adam Wingard is is a hell of a director. I loved some of the shots, almost very uh, uh, shots that directors are, are very timid about using because they find them too gimmicky or too kind of 4D ride-esque. Um, you have like the roller coaster loop where uh, they're both on the aircraft carrier and something blows up behind Godzilla and the camera follows the debris like up and all the way around and back to Godzilla and Kong on the aircraft carrier, right? Yeah. And then you have, uh, JR pointed out that they actually did this twice. They did this in the Hollow Earth uh, as well, where Kong, like, is he's running along and they follow him and the camera turns. And uh, and then there's this impressive corkscrew shot where they're, we're following the, the heave vehicle around Godzilla's atomic breath. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of now that we're talking about it? Hmm. It's very Kitamura-esque. I yes. Think, yeah. Yeah. Like the first thing that po- that's popped into my head is there's that, that sequence on in Midnight Meat Train. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> when they're actually like on the train. The the final fight. Yeah. On the, yeah. It yeah. does remind me of that. Yes. And, 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 and that's not unique to that movie, but like it's very Kitamura-esque in that, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, didn't because I know what scene you're talking about. They also pulled that in Versus too, didn't they? They may have. It's been a while since I've seen Versus. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if they yeah. did pull it. Uh, I also know they, you know, they pulled the the roller coaster loop and stuff like the fountain. Yeah, Aronofsky, right there. Uh, so I, 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 and I appreciate Dave that you were talking about that. You know, the the angles were wide enough and big enough that you could see what was going on. You could track it. Yeah. Yes, uh, I think that's been an issue in the last two MonsterVerse movies or the last two American Godzilla movies where uh, you can't really tell what's going on either due to you know the camera almost being too close to the action or just being obscured by you know weather effects uh, or something like that. Yeah, if I wanted to watch Cloverfield, I'd watch Cloverfield. You'd watch Cloverfield, right, yeah. exactly. Or, you know, Transformers. Or Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> As Rebecca sits in the corner, yeah, funny guys. <laughs> I mean... Okay, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Wingard even said, you know, I, I now that I have kind of the tools of how to make a monster movie, a giant monster movie, I'd like to do it again. And I've read that he's in talks to potentially continue the MonsterVerse um, with, a, with another Kong movie. And I think I'd be okay with that as long as he starts putting a little more substance into... My issue is, I you know, I have fun with the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it is a visual feast. Um, I, I enjoyed the fight sequences. I can cheer for them. Uh, I like how fast Godzilla moves for a change. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he could move that fast. I was... <laughs> It was nice though. Yeah. It was yeah, no, it was it was fun because you know it kind of reminded me of like some older Godzilla movies where as the series went on, he would move quicker and quicker and quicker. <laughs> but that's as you know, the movies got more zany, and that was fine. Um, yeah, I like I want, how, I liked how on, uh, the people in the 
people in the monster suits in this movie moved a lot faster than the ones <laughs> in the 50s. <laughs> uh, and I want, I want to preface this by saying I have no problem with the zaniness to it. Uh, I love the fact that Godzilla drilled a hole in the planet with his atomic. That was fun. You know, I love the fact that we have hollow earth <laughs> where apparently there's supposed to be radiation that keeps everyone alive or the monsters alive, but people are fine. <laughs> I love the fact that we have a throne room and a light source we can't explain. <laughs> because reasons. Because reasons. Um you know, I and I love our 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 mustache twirling villain who's putting on his best Ricardo Montalban uh, impression. Um, <laughs> was he not? Come on, that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but but in all of that, because listen, we get that kind of insaneness in everything else we love, right? Laser sword fighting space wizards, um, radioactive spiders that give people p- powers, cars that turn into anthropomorphic robots. We we have long since left the building for anything to make sense. Okay, and and one of the most egregious uh, culprits in Hollywood blockbusters today is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No one's ever really asked why. There's a talking raccoon. We just let it go. Okay. And, and, and that's fine. I love that. I love that we've gotten to the point where we can do that. But you know what? They still found meaning behind that talking raccoon. And this is kind of where I, I get that I'm a little too close to the franchise. I enjoy Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. But I'm of two distinct minds about it. And here's, here's the first. And the first is that, that Godzilla versus Kong is not, it's not what I, why I love the Godzilla series. All right, it's not why I fell in love with the Godzilla series. It's it's almost an atypical blueprint for for big dumb modern Hollywood blockbusters, and as such, it doesn't really have anything that drew me to the franchise to begin with. Which is <laughs> to word this as poorly as possible, it's Japanese ness. <laughs> you dirty American. Yeah, I know, right? Let me put some context with this. American Godzilla movies are are culturally appropriated IP, essentially. All right, they're they're IP based off of like hurt and pain of another country that we just happen to inflict on, and that's we should be careful. We should kind of tiptoe around that a little bit more than we do because it comes off. It can come off as fairly tone deaf, and you know, to put that in perspective, imagine we're going to go back to the roots here. Imagine living through a national tragedy, like say 9-11, not for comparison, but just for, for example. And after 9-11, we can't talk about it. We can't write songs about it. Uh, we can't make movies about it because we're currently being occupied. Okay. And, and you know, that's, that's what happened in Japan after World War II. And Godzilla became that outlet for Japan's atomic phobia after the American occupation. And some will say, well, Godzilla has been a superhero or an anti-hero before. And yeah, he has. But that doesn't really mean something in the grand scheme of things. It's it's not just about nuclear bombs, and it's not about atomic phobia that the culture had during the Cold War. It's about how Godzilla has been adapted and modified to represent the post-war transition of Japan into capitalism, uh, the greed that comes with it, the deconstruction of nuclear families, Cold War, violent attacks on women, nationalism, uh, the pollution issue Japan had in the 1970s, Fukushima disaster in 2011. Shin Godzilla. Shin. These are all topics connected 
in some way to a post-war Japan embodied by a character uh, representing these these ideological and sociopolitical shifts in Japanese culture. And the problem isn't how Godzilla does or does not represent aspects related to nuclear proliferation. Uh, the problem is that it springboarded the character to represent over half a century of ideological sociopolitical shifts in in Japan. You couple that kind of meaning with a visual style unlike any other that willfully embraces like the aesthetic of like stage theater and you have one of the most culturally unique franchises in the world. Now, you have Godzilla vs Kong. <laughs> a movie with no real depth or themes. It's just a big dumb movie using big dumb special effects. Is it fun? Sure, I had fun. I had fun. But is there much to go back to? No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's worse, what's worse for me personally is Godzilla versus Kong's success potentially sets up a dangerous precedent for more movies just like that. You know, there there's an entire fleet of frustrating, infuriating fans embracing the whole who cares about humans and story. I just want to see monsters fight that Rebecca kind of brought up. And this, they, this movie really kind of advocates trash if we keep that up. And that's a misconception. Uh, the series isn't trash. There's been meaning behind some of the most overlooked films in the franchise. And I got to say, I don't really want another Godzilla versus Kong. I, I find that what Toho has done in recent years is far more interesting with Shin Godzilla, uh, the anime trilogy that we've had some really interesting discussions over recently. Uh, singular point. And I'm I'm ready for them to just take back the reins is the main thing. I think I need more meaning to my melee <laughs> at this point. Okay. <laughs> now, the other thought that I have this is a little shorter. But the other thought that I had is that maybe this movie really is just an example of right place and right time. I'd argue under normal circumstances that Godzilla versus Kong wouldn't have done nearly as well or been reviewed nearly as positively. <laughs> but the fact is that it's the first major release since Wonder Woman 1984, right? And uh, that was what, December? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I believe there's a reason for its success. And, and the first is obvious. The vaccine is becoming more widely available, and that certainly helped. I think there's some other things such as like uh, it, it's not a message movie. It's not a message movie. It, it's not self-important and it doesn't remind anyone of current events. I think that was what I was going to come back. To. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pe people are tired. They, they don't want self-important brainy sci-fi espionage flicks like tenant last year. <laughs> <laughs> I want fast nine. Yeah. You want, they want fast nine. Yeah. They want fast nine. They didn't even want, I don't think they even wanted wonder woman 1984 because that had a message of hope. And even just having a message of hope kind of insinuates that something's wrong. This was the chosen one. This was the movie that everyone felt they needed right now. So here we sit with the highest grossing film of the year. Uh, it's uh, the, the movie is a two hour lapse in logic <laughs> and and character work and nuance. And I'm very curious to see how it will age. Most importantly, you know, will it be remembered for how it resuscitated cinemas? Will it be remembered uh, retroactively as a mess that we gave a free pass? Maybe both. I don't know. But I, I think it's I think it's interesting that this was the movie that everyone supposedly needed. Now, this was the big escape. This was the escapism that they wanted. 
So I guess that goes back to your, it wasn't about, it didn't remind them about what's going on currently in the world. Yeah. See, I told you you had more thoughts than I did. No, I... (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's all like, oh, Rebecca's going to end it quicker. (laughs) Come on. So Rebecca's just in the podcast. Should we move on? <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca got the last word again. <laughs> Killed the vibe. Uh, but what were, I don't know, what, Jared, what are some of your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, all right, so this is we a uh, discussion you and I have had ourselves. But, you know, one thing I did enjoy about the movie from kind of looking back on past Godzilla movies is the idea of taking a robotic kaiju and sticking some type of skull in this or something, and, you know, it going Hangwire, a.k.a. my favorite Godzilla movie, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. But we also had that conversation where this isn't actually an original idea of uh, using Ghidorah's head. Uh, what what was the one that you said? It was some type of Mechagodzilla movie where they were initially going to use Ghidorah's head Oh, the Heisei, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2 yeah. in 93. They That Mechagodzilla was built from the remains of Mecha King Ghidorah. Mecha King Ghidorah, was, yes. Yeah, that, that was technology from 2204. That's why they used it. But in the manga adaptation of that movie, <laughs> the Mecha King Ghidorah's programming kicks in gear at the end and starts ripping Godzilla to shreds, which right. is not, you know, very similar to what we see in this movie. Right, so that's that was one of the uh, like throwback Godzilla moments that I picked up on that I really appreciated about the movie. And, you know, yes, this is an all-out brawl movie where you don't have to have your brain turned on for any of it, but I, I did appreciate the Kong realizing he's no match for Godzilla when after uh, Mech is down... Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, happiness. And then Godzilla turns around <laughs> to Kong and he's like, all right, let's go again. And Kong just like puts down the axe. He's like, nah, I'm good. You, you win. <laughs> I, 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 did appro- I did appreciate the uh, like the kind of appreciating each other moment they had there. They don't need to fight. They know each of them has their strengths and weaknesses and... There's there's just no need to fight. I got more of a message like, bro, I'm tired. I know you're <laughs> tired too. Let's just yeah. let's just put a pin in this for now. We'll circle back in about a year or so. And then we'll duke it out then. <laughs> that was the that was the message that I got. I didn't get any sort of like respect. I got cooperation. You know, the only way we're gonna beat this bad mamajama is if we team up here begrudgingly. And so that's what they did. And then once the, the baddie was down, they turned <laughs> to each other to resume. Like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be done for now. I'm going to go, I'm going to nap in the ocean for a bit. <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. Peace out. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was kind of a mutual respect, too. Okay. At the, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought it was kind of like, we're, we're done. I'm tired. You're tired. Mikasa, Yokasa. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like how, like, even though there was, like, a mutual respect there, Godzilla was just, like, pansy. Like, he kind of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of bucked He's a little just, bit like, to him. 
Like you flinched. <laughs> <laughs> That's two Nerd. more. Nanner, nanner. Well, what's interesting, uh, there was an interview or something where, where Wingard said that Godzilla was only at 50% strength after fighting <laughs> Kong when he was up against Mechagodzilla. So I'm kind of wondering whether they were at once. <laughs> once once uh, good old Mecha was down, which, uh, Jared, what did you think of this Mechagodzilla? I know Mechagodzilla is one of your favorites. What was some of your thoughts? He had a very, and I know I made this comparison with you before, he had a very Ready Player One feel, and I'm just I'm not a fan of that kind of bulk. I mean, I, it's it's blasphemy for to say a Mechagodzilla is bulky. They're all bulky, but he didn't have the the same kind of charm that other okay. Mechagodzillas did in the past. I mean, I like I said, I did appreciate the whole going hangwire thing, but it's a very once again, hip, hypocrite right here. Man-made <laughs> influence. Could it be that you just don't like CG got Mechagodzillas? It could be that, yeah. I don't like CG Mechagodzilla. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought that this Mechagodzilla, it kind of reminded me of the first Mechagodzilla from uh, the Exians, what the Exians made. No, no, no. Planet, not, black not hole quite. planet three aliens not quite but i i did um speaking of which uh i i got an exian vibe when we when we see uh rim sarazawa uh put on a helmet and i i think i saw like an x of some sort around it and that's interesting but that, i i thought i don't know if that was on purpose but i thought that was a nice touch and so Rebecca, I want to roll back real quick to the Rin Sarazawa thing that you brought up. In my my head now, because they don't do anything with it, and because the, the finished film does not do anything with it, this Rin Sarazawa guy is just is not related to Sarazawa. He's just some guy with the same last name that ends up being a a uh, henchman. What what's the point? I looked it up, and he is no. You're spy. right. No, you're right. He is. Sarazawa's son and in, in uh yeah. like the novel and all the stuff, but I, I don't want to have to read a novel adaptation to get that. The movie itself just kind of never really established that. They they just threw him there for no reason. I really thought he was just a waste of character, pretty much. Yeah. No, he was. He took I mean, the only slight like redemption I uh Sarazawa moment that he had was even just like a throwaway line where I was like, that's a good point, but I'm not going to listen to you where they're like, he, he's like, maybe we should hold off on this. It needs to be tested more. And they're like, you have a good point, but no. Oh yeah. Get the whole getting, yeah. getting the chair, yeah. <laughs> getting the robot Shinji. Um, <laughs> Your father's going to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Just get in the chair. We don't need a surreal, depressing sequence around it. Just do it. Just, just, just <laughs> I'm also confused. Okay. So they, they established that they needed, uh, there was a King Ghidorah head uh, that he was controlling. Drifting. Drifting with, right? And that there was another one in Mechagodzilla. Where did they get two King Ghidorah heads? Fun fact, G. Uh-huh. King Ghidorah has three heads. Okay, but <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That was good. I like that one. That's real good. That's fantastic. I don't even want a rebuttal now. I just want to leave it at that. <laughs> Flawless victory. Dave you know, wins. You know, I have. There's a conversation I would like to have here, but but I really just want to leave it right there because that's so good. <laughs> you know, never mind. We're good. We're just, <laughs> Oh, oh man! Oh gosh! Well, we have we have some uh, mail here. We got we have some uh, questions <gasps> from from the Twitter space. We have mail. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm we, so touched. We... <laughs> we just got a letter. We, we just got, got a letter. letter. We, we just got, got a letter. letter. Wonder who it's from. Well, the first one is from Kaiju Mecha Samurai. He's asked, what are your thoughts on the story human characters in the film? And do you feel they were severely chopped down in order to get the monsters quicker? And is that something that should have should or shouldn't continue in MonsterVerse films? Should there be a better balance? Can I can I get this one? Yeah, please. I, yeah, you're welcome. I know that I mentioned about uh, Madison's screen time and more backstory for Rin Sarazawa. Uh, however, I feel like it's, I feel like it's not so much about the story human characters being well balanced as it is seeing which monster got the most screen time with the human interaction. I feel like Kong's side and his human interaction with Geo was shown more than with Godzilla because we already know about Godzilla and what happened prior to this. And the last time anybody heard of Kong was probably back in the 60s after the Vietnam War. So it makes sense that they want to they want to know what he's been up to after all these those decades. Now, do I think the Madison character got enough screen time? Not as much as the last one, and I wish there was more of her and Godzilla interaction, but Kong and Gia really sold it for me. And I, like I said before, the humans are mostly the borders, the frames of the bigger picture of what's happening in front of them. Rebecca, uh, I'm going to let you stop right there, uh, but I'm still going to say that the uh, human characters in this probably could have been cut down a lot more. The only person I feel that really needed more screen time was Bernie, because we need more podcasters out there asking people (laughs) about real-life situations. Will you come on my show and talk about what just happened? (laughs) <laughs> no joke. We were watching this and I turned to live and I go, I wonder if he has a stub stack. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> the uh I-, I saw this, so shout out to these guys. I saw this with Monster vs. Men, Kaiju Weekly, Kaiju Groupie, I think I'm getting all those names right. But uh <laughs> when when we that line came up, oh my god. I think we were the loudest people in the room laughing. Oh, at the whole podcast situation. No, like, on the whole podcast, we just like could not stop breathing or stop laughing. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been a really fun crew to see it with. Just oh, it was amazing! I and, <laughs> like to be in the room. Uh, li- little kaiju here amongst big kaiju groupies over there. It was awesome. I definitely appreciated it. Yeah, is this something that should continue in the MonsterVerse films? No. <laughs> <laughs> Should there be a better balance? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's, you know, if, you know, I don't particularly care if the MonsterVerse films continue or not. If they do, 
I think the the balance should be better. I think, gosh, I, I think this whole idea that we don't need human characters in these movies is absolutely asinine. And I'm getting kind of tired of hearing it. If If we're going to have characters in these movies, I would like some good characters. I don't understand why these movies should have any less feeling working characters than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, quite yeah. frankly. I'm 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 a little tired of it. Like like what's what's the problem? Why does everyone's brain suddenly shut down completely when they think or look at the a giant monster? Like, oh, we we don't need a, a character anymore. Well, no. <laughs> These are still movies and they should be working movies. And I would like it, it, to for movies to work, you normally have a, a a solid cast of characters and I think we need that in future films. You know, I want to build off that because I feel one of like as an American movie, the best one we've gotten is actually uh, the first one, the first Godzilla, twenty fourteen, the yeah, twenty fourteen yeah. movie, because that had a good story built around like the human characters. The kaiju were just the second act almost, and this a lot of people have been like, "Oh, Godzilla was barely in it," and all that. And to me, in my my uh, my my film training, you know, I hearken that back to a very Hitchcock idea. The suspense is more what you don't see. So, yeah, we get we get some scenes of them fighting in on the TV in the background and all that, but then you also get, like, the shot where they go up to the hotel room in, uh, what was it, Vegas, and half the hotel yeah. is gone. It's more, it's more terrifying not seeing the monster, but seeing the destruction that the, it can cause just from walking. That's so, an interesting point. Yeah, you can't have a decent MonsterVerse movie without having a decent plot first. I know everybody is dying to hear where I want this to go. You know, this this kaiju franchise as the expert <laughs> over here, the only one that knew that Ghidorah had three heads, apparently. <laughs> 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 Maybe I should make a sub stack. <laughs> a completely real one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything. I think the, that the characters in Godzilla vs. Kong were accessories meant to accentuate the humanity in Kong. And that was pretty much it. Agreed. All right, we have, we have a question here from Nathan. We had him on our Star Trek. Who? Uh, for show. Nathan uh, Marchin. Marchin. Uh, Marchin. Mar oh, Mar Jimmy's handler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of the Monster Island Film Vault. He he has two questions. He has one. Why does G hate it? And. <laughs> <laughs> How did he listen to this before? I know. I <laughs> <laughs> and two. Two. Should we release the Wingard cut? <laughs> okay is this going to be a thing now where every movie is released fans are going to demand the director's cut yes. not every film can have eight parts yes. like Zack Snyder's Justice League what you see is what you get they succeeded what? with the Snyder cut of course it's going to happen that's <sighs> just it the Snyder oh my god the Snyder cut has set this awful precedent now everything we need a director's cut. We have to have our way in our movie, darn it. And and it's just <laughs> like, you know, hashtag 
restore the Snyderverse. Hashtag make the Batfleck movie. Hashtag continue the Monsterverse, which I thought was goofy. The movie just saved cinemas. Of course, they're going to make a sequel. I may not have Godzilla, but it'll have Kong. I and and I was so happy. One of the most mature things I had heard from Adam Wingard was was well, if you want to see the the Wingard cut, it's in theaters currently. You can go see. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm so over this fanboy entitlement uh, that the Snyder cut has produced. This is the movie, guys. This is what we're getting, and I I I really don't care to see more. I I I mean, I had fun with it. It is what it is. Let it go. I totally agree. The only thing I want to see more is more of that podcast. Where can I find that podcast? (laughs) (laughs) That that is something I will point out. Like you talk about things that are culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. 2020, there was a new podcast popping up like every hour. Oh, Oh, wait. We're one of those podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the next question is from uh, Alex from Monsters vs. Men. He asked, why is G so lame and everyone else so cool? And the answer is, it's because I'm on a podcast. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you guys are pulling it off. Just... <laughs> We're on the podcast, too. Oh, no. <laughs> I have an answer for that. Um uh-huh. Well, they had to shock G while he was in our mother's room. Okay, uh, here so we go. No, we don't need it. <laughs> That's so he can be born. <laughs> and the rest is history. Dave's looking at me very confused. Do you know the story? No, I don't. Please go on. <laughs> I was, uh, when I was, uh, the, 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 my birth. Yes. Very famously, I was asleep in the womb. I needed to be awake. When my mother oh, what gave a birth. shock you were sleeping yeah, in. Yeah, I know, right? And, uh, and so they used an electric shock to... They fired an electric shock into the womb, into my, my brainstem, to wake me up. If I had known this in college, <laughs> I should have known how to get your... Get, your get up me up, right? <laughs> and so... Where's that taser? And, and the funny thing is, even when I was born, uh, I was still asleep. So there... <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it wouldn't have worked on weekends. I don't know. <laughs> Makes a lot more sense, doesn't it, Dave? It's, a di- it's almost diagnostic. <laughs> I know. Right? I was like, I... <laughs> anyway, what else we got here? Uh, next question from Kaiju Ramen uh, uh, Magazine. Why does G hate fun? Um... I love all you guys. <laughs> Why is everybody picking on you? I love every single one of you. It. Thank you for writing in. Write in more. Wow. Oh I think the answer God. here is uh, I'm a coach. No fun allowed. It's all about winning. <laughs> if anyone on my team has fun, I either run them into the ground or kick them off the team. So I'm just sitting there going, exile or death. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Death by exile. (laughs) From Michael, tell us how feral goji is best goji. (laughs) I don't get it. I think he's talking about how he's kind of the bad guy in this movie. Honestly, the he is. He's sort of the antagonist for the first like two thirds of the film. I would say he is. He's just misunderstood. He just. (laughs) 
I was adorable, Dave. Uh, no, I actually, I'm right there with him. I think that, uh, I don't know, I liked the change of pace. It was good to see Godzilla as a bad guy instead of the Heisei Gamera again. Um, it, it, it was, I totally I agree. like bad guy Godzilla. Yeah, I right? Um, I, I love, one of my favorite aspects of bad guy Godzilla in this movie was when he was so determined to get to Kong, he gator crawled. <laughs> I mean, I think by that point we knew he wasn't, but I mean, I, I did kind of like that Like moment. the unhinged Godzilla. It, it was just good to see that uh, again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like how like, fast he is. And yeah. Stuff like we were talking about earlier. It was just, it's nice to see, because, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, he was technically the good guy. So it's just nice to see him, you know, play the anti-hero every now and then, or just the plain out villain. Or just to rip up an entire uh, <laughs> just destroy uh, a naval fleet <laughs> because it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> or destroy Hong Kong so monkey can't jump around. <laughs> I, I like no. I was I I appreciate villain Godzilla more. So that was fun. Uh, and the last question we got here is if Godzilla could scream rainbows, who is uh, this What what would it sound like? And this comes from. Uh, Dave's wife, <laughs> Liv. That if Godzilla could scream in rainbows, what would it sound like? Uh, my my uh, only reply is it would probably sound a lot better than the Snyder Cut. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I have an answer for this. I got to find it. Wow. <laughs> I got an answer for this. Hold on, I got to find the sound effect. Uh, all right, what, what's your what's your? Of course, I'm also hearing the Care Bear stare for some reason. Godzilla stare. Is it that just the atomic breath? Is it the Godzilla stare the atomic breath? I'm 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 hearing you know those like like little like like little Tykes keyboards with like the really weird kind of like glittery twinkly sounds on them like <laughs> you know yeah yeah that's kind of what's going on in my head right now I, I that's I couldn't quite place what I wanted to do but. Like a chime, sort of. No, mine's vocal. Okay. Think back to the original Star Trek theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening in this podcast? So, <laughs> so if Godzilla had, could shoot rainbows out of his mouth, what would it sound like? Yan Cat? Are we back in 2008? I'm not. <laughs> Sounds like Scampy. <laughs> it sounds like E Bob's world, is what it sounds like. <laughs> oh Dial up and E Bob's world. I feel like Godzilla wouldn't even shoot the rainbow out of his mouth. I feel like it would just, I don't know, like vomit out or something. Like, Shin Godzilla did just <laughs> what Shin Godzilla sounded like. It <laughs> 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 sounded like he's too lazy to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, any final thoughts on Godzilla versus Kong? More podcast. More podcast. <laughs> More podcast. All right, well, moving on. We have a pitch perfect, perfect pitch. 
pickle pike for a perfect <laughs> weird season two. Pitch right? perfect. Pitch perfect. There you go. Yeah. Poorly I think that's pitched. It. Poorly pitched. <laughs> this is season two, and we still haven't figured out how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So who had it last last week? It was uh, for our freaky episode. I think I did. What was it, Rebecca? A cat makes a very poor choice in life. Garfield. I'm going to rephrase your poorly pitched and say Michael Myers makes a very bad decision in life. The cat in a hat. (laughs) Nope. Cats versus dogs. Nope. (laughs) If you say Batman uh, Batman Returns, I'm going to hit you. Why the hell would I say that? That's an awesome movie. (laughs) Because a cat makes a bad choice. No, no, guys. Are are you ready? Okay, all right. Tarzan. Oh. (laughs) The leopard sabor. Oh, come on. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No. (laughs) At least, okay, at least when I did Skyfall, that really did encompass the biggest. (laughs) A womanizing murder goes home. (laughs) A cat makes a poor decision. The cat, he's not even in the movie that long. Yeah, but he still made a poor And he's not even the main character. Yeah, but she was still part. But we're taking points away from Rebecca. No, no. No, Go save save rule. (laughs) Okay. You're just mad because you didn't guess it. Because it's stupid. (laughs) Stupid or clever that you didn't. Okay. All right. Who has the next one? I've got one. All right, Dave, go. For God's sake, go. A young person gets more than they bargain for when they happen upon a strange pet. Thank you, Dave. Okay. All right. There's, Thank a, there's you. a couple I have in mind here. Thank All you, right. Dave. <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week. I'm looking forward to next week. All right. Who's ready for Fanboy 50? I huh? am. Huh? Was that Dave or Rebecca? <laughs> that was, that was okay. It's me, Rebecca. The fact that we're talking about Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Transformers! Oh! <laughs> and time, Rebecca. Uh, <laughs> Peter Cullen. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, Dave. On your mark. Get set. Go. I like to start off by saying my wife really did make a substack. I I'm being dead serious. <laughs> she made a substack. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> anyway, I've been playing this game on Switch called Monster Hunter. Y'all, this game is incredible. I haven't been this invested in RPGs since like Skyrim. So much fun. Highly recommend it. Do not sleep on this show on Amazon Prime called Invincible. Based on a comic book, it's incredible. Some of the best animated comic book show that I've seen since like Batman Beyond. It's incredible. Chef's kiss. Bad Batch Star Wars comes out this week on May the 4th. So by the time this releases, it'll already be out. But I'm anticipating that I like it. Speaking of Alex from Monsters vs. Men, I believe I believe he's been praising that Invincible Dude, a lot, too. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about that. Absolutely stunning show. Absolutely stunning. That's, that's Yeah, that's yeah. definitely one that's been on my list of things to watch. Watch the first episode. 
watch the first episode. It's 45 minutes of your time. And if you aren't hooked, don't watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know me. Once I start something, it finishes. Yeah, I know. That was unfair. (laughs) (laughs) All right, JR, here we go. I'm picking you for this one. Runner set, go. I'm going to spend my time talking about Batman Ninja. Art's amazing. Reminds me of the uh, uh, Breaking the Habit music video from Linkin Park. However, when you travel back into feudal Japan, how do you have the materials to make a Megazord? Seriously, (laughs) the the villains, Penguin, Two-Face, Poison Ivy, Joker, they make a Megazord. How? And then monkeys and bats literally stand on top of each other to form Batman. What is going on here? I'm all for weird stuff in Batman movies, but what fever dream was I watching? (laughs) I I just, I can't. Time. Pokemon Snap. Wow, I've not really seen Batman watch. Ninja, but I really want to watch Batman I, Ninja. <laughs> I, I didn't hate Batman Ninja. I've got it. You do? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I was expecting some weird stuff when Batman Ninja, like, just the title. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll get into this. And then, like, halfway through, I was like, am I, am I high? <laughs> it's, it's like they took a, it's like, you know those Square Enix uh, samurai adaptations of characters yeah. that you see like the action figures it's like they took those and put them in a movie with a little bit i i, I guess they, i would say mild amounts of body horror because it's a little bit of contortions and stuff like that that you kind of see in there it's a little weird from an animation perspective it takes some getting used to um but yeah to jr's point it's 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 a, it's a little weird it's a little weird but i still had fun with it <laughs> sounds like it i'm excited all right, Rebecca, you ready? Oh, I thought I already did mine, but okay, sure. I'll go again. Peter Colin! Set, go. So I recently got in the mail a copy of the children's storybook that I illustrated. It's called The Avengers of Little Biscuit, Billy the Goat, written by Nate Slattery and illustrated by me. It's about this biscuit named Little Biscuit who meets a new student at his school named Billy the Goat and he keeps hitting people with his head and Little Biscuit wonders why it's happening. It's a cute little story and I've enjoyed drawing these little characters. You can purchase a book for your child at taurusnecris.com and have a look and enjoy. Other than that, uh, not much has been going on except me just drawing a lot and not posting it much i'm trying to conjure up how i want a, my patreon page to look spoiler alert i just want to point out and it, when when dave was trying to not laugh he had the cutest little hiccup of a giggle that i can't <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey rebecca yes rebecca that that little biscuit the little biscuit what, what was the little biscuit's name <clears throat> No, that's his name, Little Biscuit. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's this little biscuit named Little Biscuit. <laughs> and in my mind I'm like, of course it is. Rebecca, I didn't know it was uh I didn't know it was completed. Is it is it on the shelves yeah, now or did you just get a new or, or did you just get an early copy? No, no, it's finished. It's online for purchase. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, we will be linking that in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I will actually support you and get a copy. <laughs> I, I do have a copy. Thank you. No, I, I'm I getting my own copy to support He would you. get his copy. Oh. I Why would I get you two books? I I don't know. That was my it's next It's kind of selfish of you, Rebecca, thinking I would biscuit. give my book to you. I want my lone <laughs> Little Biscuit book about Little Biscuit and and the Billy Goat, Billy Goat. Okay. i'm ready let's do this all right mark get set go i've been watching godzilla singular point it's been released in japan at least the first five six episodes or so uh which is a drastic breath of fresh air from godzilla versus kong uh after it beat my head in and uh it it's just absolutely fantastic the characters are engaging i love the references to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Milton, H.G. Wells. We have this writer who has a Ph.D. in physics, and I feel like I need a Ph.D. in physics in order to finish some of these episodes because the hard sci-fi concepts are just insane. It's not an action series. It's a mystery with some fairly uh, uh, unique characters, and uh, you know, I'm just glad it's proving that the franchise can and do more and be more than a time slug fest. 53. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think that's the show. Uh, Let's go ahead and sign off. Thank you for joining us for Godzilla versus Kong. If you want to know where you can find me, uh, I'm on Twitter at G man of Mysteroid, and you can check my Substack called deferential wrath of a rusting Markalite cannon. And I'm Dave. I do another podcast with my wife called Pizza and Parsecs, and you can check us out at pizzaandparsecs.com. I'm JR. Twitter is littleman's underscore says one. Instagram is littlemancosplay. I'm Rebecca. If you'd like to check out my artwork, I got a brand new Facebook page with a brand new logo. The link is the same on the Linktree app, linktr.ee slash reb.hudge. And we are The Drift Space. Take a look at our show at bit.ly slash tdslinks where you can find us on all your favorite podcatchers. And if you dug this episode, make sure you share it with your friends, repost, retweet, and rewind us. You can also say hello on our socials at The Drift Space. We love to hear more from you. Thank you for playing along. And always stay strapped. And remember to listen to all your podcasts. All the podcasts. All the podcasts. And ask everybody if they can be on it. And if Little Biscuit has taught us anything. (laughs) Little Biscuit. Who? Little Biscuit, the Little Biscuit. Oh, that Little Biscuit. Is he he a Little Biscuit? (laughs) The Little Biscuit? The Muffin Man! (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the Muffin Man? (laughs) 